This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Therapy is awesome, but sex therapy is even better. Mm. The majority of the pleasure and the peak of pleasure right before is it all feels good just because a woman doesn't you know through either external or internal stimulation does not mean it doesn't feel good yeah. make it happen guys you're good yes i'll have to make a finish we're good guys <laughs> <laughs> welcome back to the show guys got a fun episode for you guys today we got sex therapist dr viviana coles hi thanks for having me sean absolutely how you been doing Good. It has been busy. Business is yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, business is good. And uh, people are really starting to understand that therapy is awesome, but sex therapy is even better. Mm. So what kind of people are uh, attending this your sessions? Yeah, mainly couples. I've been seeing couples for 20 years. Mm. Uh, that's always going to be the majority of people that are having intimacy issues are going to come in, whether it's because somebody's getting dragged in or not. It's usually a couple. <laughs> Um, and then individuals who are having trouble with like dating or maybe they've had past traumatic experiences in the bedroom and they want to talk about it and they want to figure it out. Those are things. That's mm. the majority of what I'm seeing. And then, I'm, of course, affair recovery, really bad communication, conflict resolution issues. Mm -hmm. Those are all things that I see as well. Do you think it's possible for recovery for affairs, like people to recover from that? Absolutely. Um, in my office, I've noticed that the vast majority of people that come in post-affair are going to get through it. And mm. actually, most of them say that they come out of it feeling like they're better, they're more connected, they're stronger, they communicate better. Wow. They've aired out a lot of the issues with help. <laughs> Without yeah. help, not so much. But statistically, 70% of couples that go through an affair will stay together. Whoa. Not always that they do better. I think that happens when they get help. Right. Wow, that's pretty high. 70%? Yeah, you're not alone. If you're even considering it, you're definitely not alone. Dang. How common are sexless marriages? Oh, you're not alone either. I mean, <laughs> that, that is happening in just about, at some point in every relationship. Wow. So sexless, the technical definition is fewer than twice a month. Twice a month. And for a lot of people out there, they're like, twice a month? Like, we don't even do it twice every two months, you know, mm. once a month. Um, I think a lot of people are really struggling in that place. They don't realize that when the passion starts to fade, it needs to like metamorphosize into you know something else. It needs yeah. to transform into something more lasting. And they end up really losing that connection and they become roommates. I mean, you hear it all the time, <laughs> I'm sure. Now yeah. you just got engaged, so yeah. earmuffs for you, but it's really tough to be married and it's really tough to be monogamous. Mm. And I think a lot of people struggle with that. and. The people who come to see me, it's like most of the time they're coming and it's their last 
resort. Mm. They're like, we've talked through everything. We've been through all sorts of issues. Now we need to get help. Um, for those of you who don't wait until it's the last resort, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, I really appreciate you. But I think a lot of people just don't realize all the different transitions that their relationships are going to have over the course of a lifespan. Right. You know, we're together longer because we are living longer. Mm. And your relationship changes through career changes, health issues, the introduction of uh, new family members. There's so much that happens that I think impacts relationships and people don't know it until it really shows up and they're like, whoa, we haven't had sex in ages. And we're like roommates now. We're friends. Mm. But a lot of them are really emotionally connected. They're not physically connected. Wow. Yeah, there are a lot of factors. So what's the right amount of times to be having sex then per week? Like, what's a healthy range? Everybody wants to know that, yeah. right? It's like, okay, tell us, because if we're normal, then we're good. And if we're not, ooh, we need to get some help. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you, there is no norm. If you're happy with your sex life, and that's, you know, once a month, and y'all are good and you're connected and you see long-term that it works for both of you, it's not a problem. Don't make it a problem. Okay. But for your long-term physical health and mental health, I think it's important to be doing something sensual twice a week. Mm. That does not have to include intercourse or but it can. And, um, you know, just for all you men out there, three to four times a week to have a is really important for your pelvic floor and for your prostate health. Wow. Uh, women are amazing for your pelvic health. I think it's it's something that a lot of women um, don't emphasize because they feel like there's a lot of pressure in partnered experiences, mm -hmm. but less pressure when you're solo. You need to get that pelvic floor going and experience that pleasure. Mm, that makes sense. What did your parents think of you getting into this profession? Were they supporting you? Oh, 100%. They were? Yeah. So my parents have been married for, gosh, it's going to be 50 years soon, but it's been a long time. Okay. They um, never shied away from showing the fact that they were still very into each other <laughs> physically. Not, I mean, they weren't those people who were like manging out in front of it, yeah, yeah. but they would make little jokes or... You know, they're very uh, affectionate with each other. Um, my mom makes really funny, crass jokes. And so I knew that it was always like, okay, don't have to worry about that. So when I went into couples counseling, because that's mainly where it all started as mm -hmm. a licensed marriage and family therapist, I went to school to get my master's, which is the terminal degree. And then for me, I decided to get my doctorate in marriage and family therapy. Shipping can make or break a sale. So optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. I just needed to do something on the side because I'm like a go, go, go. I need to have more and more. What else can I do? And sex therapy in Florida, which is where I went to school, is the only state 
um, that makes it to where, in order to say that you're a sex therapist, you must be certified. Mm. So it was very common there. And I thought, you know what, if I'm going to be seeing couples, I need to be able to answer questions about sex without like looking like a deer with, in the headlights. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, and it was just like a duck to water. I just, I thought it was so easy to talk about because when you're promoting health, mm. like, there's nothing shameful about it. Right. When you're promoting happiness and connection, it it's that trickle down effect, which is ultimately what my mission is, is I want people to understand that if you are in a happy primary relationship, everything else is going to be that much sweeter. Mm. Your business is going to go better. Your um, health is going to be better. I mean, there's just so many, so many benefits yeah. to having a healthy primary relationship. I love that. Yeah. Some people, I guess, are scared or ashamed to talk about their sex life, but I feel like it's, it's getting more open, right? It is getting more open, um, but... Talking about your sex life and talking about sex therapy, I feel like are still two different things. Right. I don't get a lot of people who say, oh, yeah, my best friend referred me to you. It's usually my doctor referred me to you. Mm. Or I heard about you on TV or I saw this interview that you did. Mm -hmm. And while I appreciate that, I would love it if more people were saying, oh, yeah, I was at a women's group and they told me that <laughs> they'd been clients of yours for years and they really enjoy what you do. Yeah. That's what I want to hear because when that starts happening – that's when we've really like destigmatized and right. normalized sex therapy. When you're willing to say, "Hey, go to my, you know, <laughs> go to my mechanic," the same way that you would say, "Go to my sex therapist," mm. then we're on the right track. That's when we've broken the barrier. Yeah. What was it like going on TV? I know you were on Married at First Sight. Yeah. So I did six seasons of Married at First Sight before Dang. I chose to leave. It was so fun. Yeah. So much fun. But I also am the kind of person like I kind of make everything fun. <laughs> To do something i'm gonna have a good time yeah. i'm not gonna stress out it was really fun because um what we're trying to do and what i i trust they're still trying to do is make something really amazing happen in a really unique way mm -hmm. um, and so being a part of relationships where people literally are matched and married and they meet all at the altar yeah um it's it's kind of wild it's it kind is. of bold but it works. Sometimes yeah. it works. And when it works, it works really well. People are on their second babies, third babies. People maybe don't decide to have babies, but they've been married for five, six, seven yeah. years. So, so some of them are still together? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. More than most other shows. It, they've stayed together. And wow. there's a lot of, um, I mean, of course, people like to focus on what when it crashes and burns. Right. Um, and they try to compare it to like traditional matchmaking. I'm like, they've met each other. <laughs> like, this is totally different. You haven't met them. Yeah. And we have never seen them together, right? We don't see them together until they say, I do. And it's like, oh my gosh, are they going to talk? Are they going to like, is this going to come out? Are they going to bring this out of each other? Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you never know where you're going to get it, I guess. But I loved being on TV. I feel like I've always felt good and confident and just presenting what I know. If people are asking me things that I have nothing, like no experience with, yeah, I'm going to get nervous. But when you're right. talking about things that I know about and yeah. I've done for 20 years, bring it's it easy, on. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll talk to anybody. Yeah, it's like giving a high school presentation on history. You're like super nervous. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Man. So is it true uh, 10 to 20% of women can't from sex? Absolutely. From internal stimulation yeah that's kind of the stipulation a lot of women uh, a lot of women are in general and just haven't been able to experience ever and then the majority of them um the majority of women that's like that are experiencing the 10 to 20 
they can experience through clip stimulation, mm. not through the internal or even, wow. you know, with a toy. Dang. So a lot of people have this idea that, you know, simultaneous can happen. That is not the norm. Mm. It's very rare that that happens. Of course, we've, you know, romanticized and, and you know, with and all of that, the yeah. idea that like, okay, well, we're both going to get off at the same time and it's going to feel like this. And no, hmm. what sex therapists have realized and what all the research has shown is that you need lots of time. So at least 20 minutes of foreplay. Mm. When you're in the act, you need to really try to do at least four or five different activities to get the most pleasure. And something that a lot of people don't know is that women experience um, the majority of the pleasure and the peak of pleasure right before mm. And what that means, practically speaking, is it all feels good. Just <laughs> because a woman doesn't you know, through either external or internal stimulation does not mean it doesn't feel good. So it doesn't mean you get to like throw it all out. Yeah. Make it happen. Guys, you're good. Yes. You don't have to make a finish. We're good, guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, you got to make a concerted effort. All no, right. <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Um, but you mentioned What are your thoughts on that? Because some people are addicted. I mean, I see mixed things on it. Yeah. I see a lot of clients who uh, it's become a real problem for them. It, from a more... I think overall it's a problem. Mm. I think it causes more issues than it does solve them, mm -hmm. uh, especially within relationships. I think that so many partners are struggling with, you know, whether it's keeping up with the uh, the script, right? It's like, okay, well, this is what I saw in the last. This is how you're supposed to look and feel, yeah. and this is the way it's all supposed to play out. Because a lot of people have, ugh, it's really unfortunate that they've gotten their education, their sex education from that is not the way to do it. Do right. not, do not do that. But a lot of people do. Um, and for a lot of men, because they are curious and they're socialized to watch a lot more than women are, I think they're at the disadvantage of thinking mm. that that's reality when it's not. Right. It's, it's almost like the equivalent of not knowing what CGI is <laughs> and, not, and thinking that everything you see is real. Yeah. And of course, when you get two people together, and they're not robots, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's going to play out typically in a really sad way mm. um, because expectations are disappointed, um, because communication about what's really going on doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. What's your advice to couples to kind of re-spark that yeah. fire? Let's say they've been together for a while and they've mm -hmm. sort of lost that sexual drive a bit. Yeah, I think for a lot of people... If they haven't, if they've like had issues for at least six months and they haven't been able to figure it out on their own, mm. they need to see a sex therapist. Mm. This is what we do. Like you will save so much time and money and energy mm -hmm. if you just go and seek help from a professional. Um, you're not going to get that in like a Cosmo mag. You're not going to get that from a friend. You're right. going to get actual, because most things that are going on sexually, there's an underlying cause. And therapists are qualified to get to that. Um, so, yeah, lots of Band-Aids. I mean, you can say, oh, try this different position or wear lingerie <laughs> or role play. Okay, but if that was what was really going to fix it, then you wouldn't experience that for six months. Right. Because you can do a little search, like, how do I spice things up? And they always say, oh, <laughs> try this, try that. And yeah. 
no, what's really going on is maybe you're super stressed out. Maybe you're sexual functioning. You have performance anxiety. Mm. Maybe um, you've wandered into the depths of that have kind of altered what you think is hot and what you think is pleasurable, and that's not what you have in front of you. Right. You know, there's lots of things like that that go deeper yeah. that I think a lot of people don't realize there's help for. Yeah, it's not like a quick fix. It's not. Man. Do you believe in uh, scheduling sex? Because <laughs> there's this guy named Tom Bilyeu. He schedules his sex on the weekends only. Are you a fan of that? I'm a huge fan of scheduling sex. You are? I am a huge fan of it. I think if you are a busy person, if your partner's busy, mm-hmm. if you have kids, if you have uh, businesses, if you want to sleep, like the vast majority of people are only going to have sex if they both plan for it. Because hmm. life just takes to do... Oh, it takes everything away from you, right? It's yeah. always pulling you in different directions, especially when you have obligations at home. You know, I you got to cook and you got to, you know, there's just so much going on. Mm-hmm. Scheduling, I think, is a huge plus. Now, what I will tell you, because I've gotten into arguments with people online about this, yeah. if you are having spontaneous sex and it's satisfying and it's enough, then no, don't schedule it unless you want something to like anticipate right. and look forward to. You know, a lot of people do that on vacation. They anticipate, okay, we're going to have vacation sex. That's okay, <laughs> but that's another form of scheduling. It is, yeah. But for, most people can't go on vacation all the time. Right. So it's totally fine. If you're having plenty of spontaneous sex and it's satisfying, don't worry about this. Yeah. But for those of you who are like, gosh, I wish we could have this more often, or I wish we had more time to, if we did it more often, maybe we would want it more often. Mm-hmm. Or if we did it more often, when we introduced things, new things that we liked, it wouldn't feel so weird. Yeah. Um, then yeah, schedule. Absolutely. Wow. So are you putting it on the calendar or are you just mentally scheduling it? Either or. I will say I'm often recommending that people put it on the calendar. Now, <laughs> if you're sharing it with work though, <laughs> be very strategic about icons and things like uh, that. Um, but if somebody says, well, I don't like that. I don't think that that's sexy. Then don't put it on their calendar. Just put it on yours. Mm. And you know that day to not take, you know, uh, too many pills or whatever, like your sleeping pills, don't do it too early or don't eat foods that are going to mess up your stomach or Hmm. don't get into that argument that you know is inevitably going to happen when you call that person after work. Like there's, there's a lot that you can do. And I think a lot of people do that unconsciously. Um, But if you were having this issue, then be more intentional about it and put it on the calendar. Hmm. Are you a believer in premarital counseling? I'm absolutely, I, I created a program, <laughs> yeah, the Dr. Viviana method for premarital counseling. Like I, I actually created that, I want to say about 15 years ago because I was seeing so many couples on the brink of divorce and wow. I kept talking to them and they would lead me to believe that if they'd only talked about these things before they got married or even engaged and worked on it, that they would not be on the brink of divorce. Mm. And selfishly, like as a therapist, if you see people on the verge, people like that just hate each other and resent each other so much for so long, it starts to really weigh on you. Mm-hmm. Like we have, I have really good boundaries um, and I'm able to shut things off from one client to the next. But over time, over years of seeing just like, oh my gosh, another per- another couple who wants a divorce, another person who's unhappy. So I said, you know what? I'm going to create a premarital counseling program to address all the major things. It's a 10 session course and mm-hmm. I just feel like if more people did that, even if it was pre-engagement or even pre-cohabitation. Like wow, there's you, levels. <laughs> I mean, 
It all helps. Yeah. It all helps. Knowing more about your partner before you're in the thick of it or before you're legally bound to them, I think it's great. Mm. Speaking of legally bound, what about prenups? Are you a fan of those? I think that there's a time and a place for them. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I. We, especially if you're a go-getter, if you're an entrepreneur, if uh, your family has set things up for you a certain way, yeah. Um, I don't see why it would be a problem. Wow. I just don't. And a lot of the states have laws that will protect you from getting completely wiped out mm -hmm. um, one way or the other. If it comes up, you should probably do it because I think most people are happier that they did it than happier that they didn't. Mm. Yeah. But again, something to bring up with a therapist, right? especially a premarital counselor. You know, it, yeah. it, it's a perfect example of, of a topic that most people cannot talk to just about, you know, without their families or lawyers, like they just can't talk about it themselves. Yeah. Talk about it with a pro. I think it's an awkward conversation to bring up because it leads to fights sometimes, you know. But it's also a sign of maturity that you're willing to admit that something might not work. Mm -hmm. like once you're married, you can't have this idea that like, okay, well, now we're married. We're good. Mm. You cannot coast in a marriage. Yeah. The minute that you coast is when you start taking each other for granted and other things start looking better to you. Mm. And that's often leads to at least a disconnect and at the worst, right? A, a really bad divorce. Yeah. So I think it's immature for couples to say, well, we don't want to think about what would happen in case of a divorce. They're happening. Mm. And it happens pretty much every couple that gets a divorce. If you were to ask them, did you think this when you proposed or did you think this when you were walking down the aisle? Did you think this would happen? Mm -hmm. They're all going to say no, or at least the vast majority yeah, of them. Yeah, for sure. Nobody wants that. It, <laughs> is, it is not the easy out. Staying together isn't easy. Divorcing isn't easy. But I'm glad that it is an option for, yeah. most, pe for most people. Is it true the divorce rate is 50%? I saw that growing up. Yeah, um, I think it's actually higher now. Whoa. I know. We go through these trends. I'm, I'm working on it. I can only <laughs> do my part. I'm really trying to help couples to stay together yeah. um, in happy relationships. You know, I was talking about this with some singles last night, and they're like, it seems like you're, one of them was saying, it seems like you're all about marriage. Like marriage is, it's not so much marriage. It's a healthy relationship. Mm. Again, because it matters so much, and it makes such a big difference in our experience of life. Yeah. And there are so many generations that are impacted by whether or not you're in a happy relationship. And even like if you own a business, your your employees, like mm -hmm. everybody is impacted, especially in small businesses. They're impacted by whether or not you're doing well. Wow. Um, yeah, I never thought of it that way, but that's true. It has far reaching ramifications. So it, it really does make a big difference whether the head honchos are happy or not. Yeah. So out of everything you've seen, when it comes to divorce, what are like the most common reasons that lead to them? A uh, lack of sexual connection. Oh yeah. That's a big one. Um, I would also say just a loss of respect for the other person. If you no longer respect your partner, whether it's something that is like this big or huge, it that's another thing that is really toxic mm. and it can show up in so many different ways. Uh, I'm always trying to help couples with that. I would also say just, uh, being led astray. I mean, if you don't have a healthy connection, it we're always seeking that. Mm -hmm. I do believe that as individuals, we're always seeking healthy connections. Uh, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, being able to talk to somebody and just feel good and be yourself, like that's something on a surface level that a lot of people want. Right. And usually we find somebody in a romantic setting so that we can connect both 
from a physical and an emotional standpoint often and they become our companions and it's like mm -hmm. really it's just a nice experience of life but if you don't have that with your primary partnership then it ends up being one of those things where they're going to find it somewhere else and oftentimes it's work mm. you know work becomes the other person right um but inevitably our sexual urges our sexual desires and our need to be wanted mm -hmm. is something that wins out yeah it's good to know Good to know as I prepare for this married life. I know. It's so <laughs> exciting. Oh, so in terms of initiating sex, do you think it should be a 50-50 thing? I think as often as possible, sharing the load of initiation is so important. Um, men tend to do a much better job of saying, okay, I'm going to ask. Uh, I might be rejected. So mm -hmm. it's like a numbers game for them. For a lot of women, I think they're socialized, and I'm trying to get the word out about this to all of my <laughs> fellow women. It is not only your partner's burden to bear. Like, they want to feel wanted. A lot of women have been socialized to take it for granted that men always want to have sex with them, and they're always going to be ready for it. In a monogamous relationship, you've taken out that possibility of them being chased by other people, you need to be the one chasing them. Mm -hmm. Most good men, and especially good sexual partners, they want to know that their partner wants this. Mm. They want consent. They want they want eagerness. They don't just want like, eh, oh, oh, all right, fine, let's right. go. Um, and I think that a lot of women just take it for granted. And then when I ask them, especially when I'm talking to my clients, what would it feel like if your partner did not show any sexual interest in you for the next three months? Mm. And you should see the look on their faces. They're mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, I, I would feel terrible and I'd feel insecure. And I'd, you know, I'm like, yeah, that's what a lot of men are dealing with. Wow. Because, you know, they can only do so much before it just feels like rejection after rejection after rejection. Now, I do tell people try not to say no and reject your partners more than twice in a row. Oh, that's a good rule to have. Except when people are like, yeah, but what if he asks multiple times a day? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's let's be you know real about this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, twice in a row, they're not going to ask a third time. And then the other part of it is with initiation, it really can, if you're not used to it, it can feel like kind of scary and it can be nervous. Mm. You know, like it can be one of those things where you're just uh, awkward. So find different ways of initiating, whether it's nonverbal. You know, I have a candle line that I have, and it has two wicks. And I'm like, look, you line, light one, and if the other person's open to it, they'll line the other. If not, they put the lid on and try again tomorrow. Wow. Like some people just can't talk about it or think it's not that sexy, or maybe they just don't really know how to seduce their partner. Yeah. Um, so I take it out of their hands. Wow, I like that candle idea. <laughs> um, what about long-distance relationships? Yeah. Do you think those could work? I think they can work. Um, I would suggest doing what a lot of my like celebrity clients do, and that is don't go longer than two weeks. Two weeks. A lot can happen in two weeks. <laughs> a lot can. Um, so whenever possible, try not to go for longer than two weeks. Um, but yeah, absolutely. And, and there are a lot of couples who are choosing to live apart together, meaning mm. they have their own places. But they're still a couple and they're still together. Not to say that they don't spend the night over at each other's places, but all in all, their homes are separate. That's a really valid way of living your life, especially if your lifestyle is such where, you know, maybe you have different hours. I, I talk to people about sleep divorce, you know, sleep choosing divorce. to sleep in separate beds, even though you're happily married. Hmm. 
I'm a huge fan of that because sleep is so important. It's so vital. And people are grouchy. Maybe they're uh, night owls. I don't know what your schedule's like, but yeah. it's such an important thing to get the to get good sleep. And if you, you know, I, I'm a night owl and a morning person, so oh, I, wow. I don't know. I just don't sleep very much. Um, but my husband does not. He he needs to sleep. Yeah, and, yeah. and if that was constantly a battle, you know, I was, I'd be up watching a TV or I'd be like, reading, and he's kind of like. Uh, I've been trying to sleep for like two and a half hours <laughs> <laughs> and I just can't with the light on. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it, I think it's a, a valid choice as long as your relationship and your connection is healthy and it doesn't feel like it's a symptom of something like you need to be away from each other. Yeah. Then it's a good option. Wow. That's cool. I never heard of that. So you sleep in a separate bed from your husband? Most of the time. Wow. Most, not all the time, but most of the time uh, if I need to get really good sleep. Yes. And he doesn't even snore. So it's not mm. that we just have really He's a very light sleeper. Yeah. And I tend to like, I, I'm that person who, if I have ideas, I get up and I write it down or right. if, use the restroom. And for me, I, we have kids. I was the one who was like, I'll be up tonight because I can fall right back asleep. The mm. minute, and, and I'm still the same way. If I get up in the middle of the night, I go back and I'm like out. For him, if he has to get up, maybe the dog barks or something, he's up for another three hours Dang. trying to fall back asleep a lot of people have sleep issues yeah and i mean i would much rather a sleep separate for those six to seven hours than to be grouchy to be tired to have health issues mm. there's so many issues that come up medically yeah. for people who don't sleep well wow um, and of course much more with like mood disorders and stuff i'm gonna order another bed tonight yeah <laughs> absolutely Man. it's it's totally valid yeah that's been an insightful episode anything you want to close off with or promote yeah, you know, I think it's important for people to know, even if you can't see me directly, right, one-to-one, I have an online program. It's the Dr. Viviana Method for Intimate Reconnection. So if you are struggling to reconnect with your partner after a long time of just sexually just not really being there, or if you're worried about maybe being on the verge of that, mm -hmm. check it out, drviviana.com. It's all there. I have a book, The Four Intimacy Styles. It's uh, available on ebook. I think it's a huge a huge way for couples to learn very easily how to connect and why to connect sexually. Nice. Yeah, so check that out. Love it. Check it out, guys. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for watching, guys, and I'll see you next time.